This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 70 The Mothman Phenomenon, Part 4 Harbinger of Doom As we continue our deep dive into the Mothman Phenomenon, we are shifting forward in the timeline to focus on another possible Mothman encounter. Much like we will be discussing in the story of the Silver Bridge Collapse, we have another similar encounter that suggests a warning of the devastating events to come regarding the Chernobyl disaster. In April of 1986, the residents near the Chernobyl nuclear power plant began to experience strange occurrences and events that centered around a large winged creature described as a large mutated man with oversized wings and glowing fiery red eyes. Those who witnessed these odd sightings experienced a series of of side effects that took place after. Some suffered nightmares that kept them from sleeping at night. Others received strange and threatening phone calls. Additionally, the less fortunate residents found themselves subject to first-hand encounters with the being that would come to be known as the Blackbird of Chernobyl. Reports of these baffling events continued growing till April 26, 1986, when Reactor 4 of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant suffered a catastrophic failure, causing it to explode. This led to a fire that eventually caused a nuclear meltdown. The power plant was located in Pripyat, Ukraine, The Chernobyl disaster created a massive radioactive fallout that spread throughout the Ukraine, Belarus, and Russia. This resulted in an emergency evacuation of approximately 336,000 of its residents, deeming the Chernobyl accident as the worst nuclear power accident in modern history. To this day, the area around the Chernobyl disaster continues to contain dangerous levels of radiation. Despite this fact, there are still many animals that continue to live and thrive in the area. However, it is still unclear how these levels of radiation affect the animals. Since 1986, there have been numerous reports of abnormal births and defects in many of the animals and people in the area, along with countless health issues in the former residents in the later years. Despite the disaster, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant kept three of the reactors active for an additional 14 years after the accident. In the year 2000, the last reactor was finally shut down. The end of the Second World War would find the city of Chernobyl back under communist control and would eventually be chosen as the site of the first nuclear power station to be erected on Ukrainian soil. 
between 1972 and 1983, four separate RBMK reactors were built at the new site located just 10 miles northwest of the city. There were additional plans to build two more in the future. For nearly 15 years, the power plant efficiently provided power for the residents of the Ukraine. However, in 1986, the site manager began receiving strange reports from some of the employees claiming to see a shadowy figure frequent the area, hanging around the perimeter fence late at night and early in the morning. They claimed that the figure would watch them as they finished their shift. Not buying into their claims, the site manager dismissed the reports, assuming they were fatigued and seeing things that weren't really there. One evening, one of the female employees came frantically running into the security office. Screaming through winded breaths, the man tried to calm her. She stated that she had witnessed a terrifying-looking creature near the parking lot. She had been walking to her vehicle when she heard a rustling sound coming from above in a nearby tree. As she looked up, she spotted a pair of red glowing eyes that pierced through the darkness. At that time, a hissing sound began emitting as a giant bird-like creature emerged from the tree and flew off into the night sky. In the days that followed, additional reports came in. Two workers were arriving for an early morning shift when they spotted a tall dark figure with large wings circling in the sky above the power plant. They watched as it repeated its circular course for several minutes before it let out a high-pitched shriek and flew away. On another evening, one of the workers was driving home after their shift when they nearly collided with the creature as it quickly swooped out of the darkness and landed just ahead of him, illuminated like a deer in his headlights. In a knee-jerk reaction, the driver quickly rotated his steering wheel to avoid the creature and quickly drove off. Regardless of how many sightings were reported, officials remained skeptic and dismissed the claims as there were no evidence to support them. That is when the nightmares began. A large number of the employees at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant began showing up late for their shifts. Some even had to leave early due to feeling ill. Each person involved all shared the same root cause. They were being haunted in their dreams by a tall, dark humanoid figure with glowing red eyes and large feathered wings. This is when the supervisor staff began punishing those who made claims. Anyone that was caught openly discussing the strange creature was threatened with suspension. Those that called in sick, arrived late, or left early would receive phone calls at home, requesting them to return to work. They were also forced to stop spreading rumors and false information. Some of the callers identified themselves as KGB agents, or members of other intelligence groups. Some of the witnesses were also visited by men in dark clothing, and dark vehicles. Despite the threats, the reports kept coming in. On the morning of April 26, 1986, the Deputy Chief Engineer Anatoly Dyatlov was performing a routine test to simulate loss of power on the number 4 reactor. 
All of the safety protocols were purposely disregarded for this exercise. Due to the 10-hour period that the reactor had been running at half power, it had become built up with xenon in the fuel rods, poisoning the reaction by absorbing neutrons. This, in turn, caused the power output to drop to almost nothing. In order to regain power, Dyatlov requested that the engineers removed nearly all boron control rods and stop pumping coolant into the core. In doing so, the result was the reactivity inside the core increased at an unstable and unsafe rate. The engineers then panicked and tried everything they could to shut the reactor down by reinserting the control rods. Unfortunately, the graphite-tipped control rods only made matters worse, as they caused reactivity to quickly skyrocket, resulting in a catastrophic explosion. The explosion was so massive and intense, it immediately contaminated the surrounding area with devastating levels of nuclear fallout. The military quickly became involved, making an effort to try and contain the impending danger. One by one, they were ordered to run into the rubble and attempt to remove any radioactive debris. However, they were limited to 90 seconds on site to avoid taking on too much radiation. Helicopters poured in from all over, dousing the reactor with tons of absorbent materials. Out of the nearly 600 airmen, many died early on due to illnesses they had acquired due to radiation poisoning. It quickly became evident that some of the workers involved in these efforts were those that had encountered the creature previously. Some of the military personnel received reports from the soldiers and pilots regarding a large winged creature that had been seen circling the area. They watched as it dodged in and out of the smoke and swept down low enough to fly over the heads of those working on the ground. The reports slowly became less and less as the flames died out. After that, no further reports were made. Over the course of the reports made regarding the Blackbird, from before the reactor explosion to the fallout of the aftermath, the realization was made that those that died due to radiation poisoning had some contact with the creature beforehand. Regardless of their position, military, or employees of the Chernobyl power plant. Each person had witnessed the creature and died shortly after. Much like the events that took place in Point Pleasant in 1966 and the Silver Bridge collapse in 1967, people living in and around the area reported seeing an odd humanoid half-man, half-bird creature. Similar reports of nightmares began and residents were left terrified. Additionally, the creature was spotted during times of devastation and impending disasters. In theory, one can argue that seeing the creature during either time was merely a representation of something terrible or a tragic event that was going to take place. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I am Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now... The debrief. All right. All right. So before we get into this, I have to ask, 
Did you watch the HBO series Chernobyl? I have not, actually. Oh, man. I, I guess I'll have to, yeah. You are missing I out. Did a, I did a lot so of reading good. up on Chernobyl, though. Dude, that series is... It's stellar. Yeah? It, it Yeah. Awesome. It's one of the best things I've watched in years, honestly. Cool. Well, then I'll definitely have to check it out. I've definitely... Yeah. I've watched a lot of people that uh, have gone out to, like, Chernobyl and have gotten to actually go in and kind of check things out around the area. Especially yeah. a lot of, like, those Explorer YouTube channels and stuff like that that are... Yeah, you know, pretty popular. You have to, like, walk around with a Geiger counter, right? There exactly. Are some areas yep. You can't be in mm-hmm. for, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, that's pretty intense for sure. But I think it'd be awesome. I'd love to see the area. They've done the same thing with the Fukushima site. Yeah, mm-hmm. in Japan. Yep. Yep. I've I've watched those two. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um. So. This thing. The Blackbird of Chernobyl. It obviously it has a lot of the same features as Mothman. Right. Right? Yep. The wings, the dark tone, the red eyes. Yep. Um And people also but, like I I didn't really have it in the description, but most people said like it didn't really have what looked like a head or anything. Okay. So I mean, very also similar to Mothman. You know, kind of the red eyes and more chest area. But yeah. Couple additions, though. This one hisses. Yeah, this one hisses. It shrieks. Uh-huh. Um, also, yeah. the dreams are a cool addition. I, I like the dreams. I mean, because a lot of the, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the people, and it, there's, of course, nothing overly su- specific about this one, because... Anybody that was around at that time has now obviously passed. So right. you can't just go and ask somebody like, hey, like, how was this? But like the at least the recounts and everything like people claimed of like being terrorized in their sleep. Right. So which I mean, I, I like that. I think it's cool. It adds like yeah. a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit more flair to this one, at least. I mean, when you rewind to Point Pleasant. You know people were dreaming about Mothman. Right, of course. It was so in the ether. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It was just... People had to have been dreaming about it. Yeah. And, you know, people don't necessarily connect that with it being sort of a like a psychic attack for you to have a nightmare about Mothman. Like, yeah. That Mothman would have anything to do with you having that nightmare. You know what I mean? I mean, that's... Yeah, that's true. Does that mean it's also it's it's really easy to like especially chalk dreams up to something that you've thought about or something that um you've seen or whatever else. I know I have random dreams where like it won't even be something I've thought about. It'll just be something like I saw in passing and it just somehow pops up yeah. in a dream I have. Right? So like yeah, I I know one hundred percent people were having dreams about this thing. You know, yeah. during during that time. Like there's no doubt about it for sure. Like, I imagine if you had a dream where you and I were sitting having a cup of coffee together and I threw my coffee in your face and slapped you in the dream, you wouldn't be like, why would you do that to me in my dream? Like, why <laughs> I don't would know, you attack though. me in my dream? Some people are, some people are weird and, like, it will have a dream about something and it just, like, changes their whole, uh, yeah. you know, like, outlook on a day or the way it, like, yeah, they're around somebody, right? And then, yeah. like, and next time they're around them, they're awkward and weird, or they're just yeah. pissed off, or something about nothing. There is that, like, there is that classic trope of the woman being upset with her husband because she had a dream about him cheating on her. Right. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, that <laughs> didn't happen. You don't <laughs> like, have to get yeah. upset about it. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, it's a legit thing, and definitely yeah. does happen. Um. I also noted one thing I noticed about this one is it seems like it's much more pointed. Like it's seen circling this plant over right. and over again, right? Sort of like a vulture. Yeah, I mean, because it, it happened before anything ever happened. And then it, like, as they were doing the cleanup and stuff like that, and, you know, they had all these helicopters that were, um, you know, trying to help throw down uh, these absorbents and stuff like that, which are like clay and sand yeah. and all that stuff. Um, yeah, so they, they had seen it at that point too. 
Yeah. So yeah, which is which is a little little different. Well, like you yeah, said, it's, I mean, it's very specific to this area. Yeah, this spot. Mm-hmm. So apparently, if Mothman is this harbinger of doom, he learned his lesson after Point Pleasant <laughs> doing such a shitty job because right. of Point Pleasant. If if the Mothman of Point Pleasant was a harbinger of doom, he was the worst one ever. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, yeah, he's he's like up up in the sky, like I was chasing people through the trees and screeching at them. How did you not know that meant the bridge is going to collapse? Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> like, it had nothing to do with it. So Leaving a dead least, dog you know, on the side of the road. Yeah, exactly. So at least 20 years later, apparently he figured out, like... Oh, I should, I should probably... actually be around this area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I do... It's Yeah, I, I like the idea, especially the fact that they see him after after everything has happened. Like, more yeah. so, like, that lingering effect of, like, you know, I tried to tell you, basically, or, you know, gave yeah. out these these warnings, essentially, which, I mean... I don't know. I don't think the average person that saw something weird would be like, oh, something bad must be about to happen. Yeah. Unless you're really, like, I don't know, intuitive, but slightly superstitious and paranoid, yeah. maybe. I mean, bad bad omens are a very old tradition, right? Right, of course. Like, um, And I think a run-in with Mothman could be categorized as a bad omen i mean right? it, yeah especially at this point yeah given all we know now and if i saw him about f- all we <sighs> all yeah. we theorize now. right all we think we know at least yeah um so there are men in black visits so yeah that one so the calls are the more frequent and then there were a couple reports of people actually being visited and that's why I didn't really get much in depth because there was nothing else on it other than people yeah. were visited by these men in dark clothing and dark vehicles okay. but the same thing they claimed to be either KGB or some other type of like you know higher whatever intelligence like, exactly yeah yeah I mean, the Soviet Union was run pretty, pretty iron-fistedly by oh, the I mean, KGB. Yeah. Without, especially, without especially if you worked somewhere important like nuclear reactors. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they ran that pretty fucking tight shit. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, especially, especially, obviously, in this case where, I mean, you have you have these people that are causing this almost uproar, right? And then it's causing people to leave, you know, want to leave their jobs and not want to come into work and stuff like that. So, yeah, of course, they're going to crack down, like get these people to stop. So they actually have their people coming back to work. Yeah. You know, and not causing such like a, you know, not causing people to like go crazy or become too worried and whatever else, you know, and that's all that they were doing. Yeah. So it makes sense. And like. As a as an American who's only ever learned about, you know, the Soviet Union from the outside, um, I kind of like my perception is that there wasn't a lot of missing work allowed. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, the fact that you can have like somebody calling you from KGB or some. Let's think of like even like some government official or something and telling you, hey, yep. you need to get back to work. What's yeah. it to you, man? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, but I'm sure it was probably very different. Yep. You know, especially like, yeah, having such a tight, just very like a tight grip and tight grasp on your community and everything. Like, yeah, I mean, they ran the show. I mean, if you were a farmer and you like and you skipped a year planting crops you had the government calling you. I mean, yeah. Saying, because, I mean, in the Soviet Union, nothing belonged to the people. Mm-hmm. It, it all belonged Which, to the it, government. That's just, it, uh, yeah, that's crazy. I know it's hard to, like, conceptualize here, but it's that that's just how it was. Yeah. Like, and, you know, obviously, communism on that level is positioned as, like, it all belongs to all of us. But 
it never works like that. It right. works like oh, not there's at all. A small, exactly. There's a yeah. There's a small group of cronies who feel like they own the whole country, mm-hmm. and everyone else is just you know of service to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's yeah. That's definitely definitely how it is. And so yeah. I mean I I just couldn't imagine like living like that. Yeah. That'd be yeah. That would be so so tough, and definitely not something I'd want to do. There's a reason it collapsed. Right. It's because yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. Obviously, in this case, it kind of set a bad tone for, you know, this whole, like, this whole thing. So. Yeah. That's why we're now, you know, obviously, they're calling these people. They're showing up. And, the you know, freaking these people out even more, I would think. Yeah. But I guess what better way to get somebody to do what you want them to do than to have like some you know some higher higher power essentially coming at them and then being like yeah well they can't turn that down yeah it's true another huge difference in this story from the point pleasant time is people connect um there seems to be like a a direct connection between the people who had encounters with the blackbird and dying personally yeah. dying because i don't know that in point pleasant anyone who reported a mothman sighting who was actually on the bridge at the time of its collapse that's very different yeah i, su- I suppose you're right i suppose you're right um you know but imagine how much imagine how much crazier the point pleasant mothman story would be Oh yeah, if for sure. Every if like fifty people reported encounters, and that just happened to be the exact fifty people who were on the bridge when it collapsed. Right. That's a much crazier story. Yeah, I mean that that would be very. It would be a lot more specific. Yeah. And so I know that yeah, that's a little bit a little bit different, but I do like the idea of that too because it adds a lot more credibility to the idea of him being or of it being this harbinger of doom you know this like absolutely so you know because obviously the with like so you know the silver bridge collapse and stuff like that you know like it it is it's a it's completely different type of story and type of scenario yeah i know maybe he maybe he um you know cleaned up his act maybe he got his shit together and got better at at it in the time I mean, between. Yeah, that's 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 possible. <laughs> so have you heard the um have you heard the skeptical argument against this story that because a lot of people say that this legend doesn't actually exist in Ukraine, that like it only exists in English and it just showed kind of showed up on the internet in the early two thousands. Well I've seen I've seen that to an extent, and as a result of the actual Mothman prophecies movie, yeah. So it literally everything kind of came about in early two thousands after the movie release, and there was nothing that had ever been you know nothing that went back before that recorded until yeah. now. Now you have like these uh, supposed accounts and from people that you know were in that that Around. area at that time exactly, yeah. Because a lot of people just dismiss this story out of hand. Like, they put it in the same category as, like, a Polybius. Where yeah. it just, like, popped up on the internet yeah. in the early 2000s and people have just run with it. Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, which... I don't want to think that just because it's unfortunate. Sure. Um, yeah. But it does make a lot of sense, especially for this to sprout up after the Prophecies movie came out. Like... Yeah, you know like, what? What better type of publicity and marketing scare? You know, like things can they do than to add yeah. more to this story that yeah, people can lore. go and exactly and and look yeah. at, and then you know, and it gives them more that they can, yeah, just buy into. Yeah. So, like, I understand it from that from that side. I. Yeah, I mean, I'd like it to be. I'd like that to not be the case. Of right. course. But I remember shortly after high school reading this story on 
I forget what website it was, but it was on the same. It was like the same night I read that like that creepy pasta about the Russian sleep experiment. Okay, you know that yeah. one, right? Mm-hmm. That everyone's read. Um, but it was like they were kind of grouped together on the site that. But I okay. remember reading it. Was I was probably like nineteen. That would have been in like oh six. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would have. Wow. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so in the story, it, it also linked to this story, or like, something, something similar about it. No, they weren't like connected. Connected. They were just like I read them in the same night on the same website. Okay. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. So they're kind of linked in my head, you know, like when yeah, you hear, of course. when you're into two albums at the same time, you forever link those bands. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I remember reading it about, uh, at about 06. So I'm not sure. So, I mean, some people really do just like, no, it's that's just an internet creepypasta type thing. But there are these, you know, and it's hard because you... You have to balance, like, how much can I trust random internet accounts? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Because I could go on a Reddit thread right now and pretend to be someone who lived in the Ukraine in the 80s and pretend that, and describe in a, I could make up an account out of whole cloth right yeah, now. right. Um, yep. So it's hard, it's hard to tell what to trust and what not to trust. Yeah, I I understand that. I mean, cuz anybody can anybody can literally make up anything. I could yeah, like you said, you can literally go on a forum or something, especially like, you know, say if you're looking at like conspiracies or something, you can make up something oh, yeah. off the wall. And I guarantee uh-huh. somebody would buy into it and it would turn into yeah. like something, yeah, which is super silly, but I've always wanted to do that too. <laughs> just start an internet hoax. Yeah. I mean just to just to see like just yeah. I mean just to be funny, like not trying to be an asshole or just you know like get people all excited or whatever. But it would be an interesting um it would be a, an interesting experiment for sure. Agreed. Yeah. I think I think it'd be cool to do just to just to see. And then I mean you can come back after the fact and be like, "Hey, you know, this is what this was. I apologize. You know, if I got you a little, little excited, but wait till you're on your deathbed. <laughs> right. Well, let let it grow for sixty years. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. No, nobody has to know. That's when you're like you're laying there about to die, and you tell your great great grandson, you're like, I made up the swamp man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I, I also think it'd be cool to just, like, make up some random cryptid. Oh, yeah. And then just, like, start, like, a wiki page for it, everything. You know people have done that. Oh, I mean, without a doubt, they have. For sure. Yeah. That's probably half the cryptids that are out there. People just are like, huh, this would be fun. Shit, lumberjacks do it all the time. Did it all the time back in the day. That's the whole, like, fearsome critters thing. The, like, yeah. Gowrow and the all that shit was just made up for fun like fun stories by lumberjacks see i I think that would be (laughs) that would be cool yeah but again to see how how it would take off you know to see how like somebody would respond to that sociological experiment exactly yeah yeah so you have some um you have some similar stories yeah so there are there are a couple uh a couple other accounts that they're not i mean they're not like similar to this but a couple other supposed possibly mothman encounters since uh since that are that are more that are newer um one of course probably the biggest one being 911 right um so following the terrorist attacks on the world trade center September 11th 2001 of course Rumors emerged that witnesses reported seeing a large crane-like figure in the vicinity of the towers five days prior to the attack. So, yeah, people said that they had seen this crane-like thing up to five days before that had happened. Okay. And it had been 31 years since any such sighting of Mothman in North America, 
Obviously, we had Chernobyl. Um, on the day of the horrific attack, Mothman was reported to have appeared again, some claiming they could see his face through clouds of smoke and debris. Interesting. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, accounts are accounts, right? Exactly. You to, like, yeah. You have to take them. And we, I mean, on this show, we generally take accounts for what they are, right? If someone says, I saw this, we we believe them. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, what proof do we have to say otherwise? Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's probably the most notable one that I think is going to be obviously the, yeah, the more yeah kind of hard hitting one. Um, there that's was a pretty big one. There was the I-35 West Bridge collapse, uh, which was the, uh, what was it, the Mississippi Bridge, is that right? Uh, yeah, so yeah. Um, so Mothman was noted at the site of a bridge collapse, uh, rush hour, right? August 1st, 2007. A bridge on Interstate 35 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, gave way at its center. 13 people died and nearly 145 were injured in its fall. Reports wow. trickled in that Mothman-like figures started appearing near the bridge about a month prior to its collapse. Skeptics have dismissed the creature as a large heron or a crane, but some Mothman believers begin to theorize that Mothman could possibly be a paranormal entity rather than a cryptid. For what that yep. extra little bit of information is <laughs> worth. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can confirm. <laughs> right. People exactly. have theorized. Yeah. Um, now that's but that I mean one, I wonder that one was crazy and I haven't looked at pictures of of that yeah. collapse and yeah pretty nuts. I remember news coverage of that when it happened. Like yeah because that was bridge collapses don't happen very often. Right. Either. And that was uh over there was the bridge over the Mississippi River. Yep. Right inside of yeah Minnesota. So yeah, like but I I got down this rabbit hole, right? Yeah. And I started looking to all these old bridge collapses. Okay. Starting in 1800s, basically till now. There's been quite a few. Yeah. They're not that, I mean, it's not like they're like, there's one every year or whatever. No, I mean, there's, no. you know, like, there's give or take 50 plus years in between or so, whatever. Yeah. Um, We had this one in 2007. There was another one like 2018 and, um, you know, a couple, a couple that have been here here in between or whatever else but so like i i didn't realize that i didn't i didn't think it would be that much like i said i know that's not a whole lot but to me that seemed like a higher number than i would have i would have anticipated yeah i don't i i don't want it to be a non-zero amount like yeah zero fucking bridge collapses that's the only acceptable number i mean exactly yeah yeah i'm I, As someone who's like spent a long time at like focused on politics, I I notice them because anytime there's one that has casualties, there's a huge push from the left for infrastructure, for spending on infrastructure. Okay. Which you know is yeah. obviously something that I definitely support. Right. <laughs> I'll say. Like um, infrastructure, especially in rural areas in America, has been so neglected over the last oh, yeah. fifty years. It's without it's a doubt. Awful. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's like it's like a black stain on America's reputation. <laughs> the state of some of these places. Yeah. Seriously. Oh, I, I never let a, a public bridge get to the point where it collapses under the weight of cars. It's. I mean, it's absurd. To be fair, though. These most of these bridge collapses have been during a rush hour. Uh, and actually, there was also one where it was. So first of all, take. So I'm just going to tell you what happened and I'm going to tell you the, the the existing conditions up to that point. OK, so this uh, I believe it was a semi. It busts it like drives into um, I forget what what it was. It was like one of the one of the main parts of the bridge and it caused like this pen to come out and like the bridge to collapse at that point. Yeah, um, which I mean, that seems pretty crazy. That only something minor like that can cause it. But take into consideration, it was extremely foggy, like vis like visibility was next to none. It was during hurricane, and this was in Florida. 
Yeah, this was in yeah. was in Florida. Uh, during during the middle of the hurricane, so you had the winds from the hurricane, um, and then also I think it was it was raining at the same time or whatever. So like you had all of yeah. these things all at once, but yet still had people trying to cross this bridge. Like if it were me, I would have stayed. I would have been like, no, I'm th- no, no, yeah. Like the potential and the the potential to do the wrong thing if I can't see and drive off of this bridge. Yeah, yeah man, that's that's just silly. Why put yourself in that position? I was gonna say, imagine being the unlucky asshole who's like an eighth of a mile behind the semi. Oh, dude! But yeah. like the bridge collapses and you're just flying through the fog, and all of a sudden, <laughs> it just right the, the road just goes yeah. out from under you. Oh, and this yeah. is like, and that's always been like for a, for a long time, especially when I started driving, like I was always afraid of like b- these bigger bridges, right? Like, especially yeah. like, I mean, you know, the silver, silver bridge is the one from Ohio to West Virginia, like especially those yeah. bridges, they're kind of longer. We have Ohio to Kentucky and stuff like that. Like those, that area of all those bridges, yeah, like anytime that you're crossing the paranoid. Ohio river. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then so like but you know i eventually was like okay it's not not so bad as i got a little bit older like you know but now like this man i could <laughs> see myself edging on agoraphobia right now yeah like i just don't want to go outside like, i understand that dude. man dude i mean we live in a landlocked state right so like Truth, but you know the ohio river that's big water for us yeah it is in Indiana. That's when you're driving over something that's like 120 feet deep water. That shit is scary. Especially yeah. if you're in like the southern part of Indiana, the Ohio River down there is also fucking gross. <laughs> right. That river is nasty, dude. I, I I like I say I say this, but at the same time I'll like I'll go on like a cruise all day long, you know. Sure. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the ocean. So you're like yeah. in a floating city. So. Exactly true. You know, it's a little different a little than different. having eight feet of concrete between you and a drop <laughs> into the Ohio yeah, River. Exactly, and then literally a bridge that's kept together by like I mean, to you know, granted they are like these big, thick like beams and stuff, whatever. But that can be yeah. let go just by a, a just taking out a pen i know the pen is not like a little pen like you put in like no you know, it's, no yeah it's it's obviously pretty hefty but still like that i don't know i feel like that's a that's a design flaw see but that's maybe the not. thing is we're still dealing with these fucking hundred year old bridges that have yeah. just been like repaired a little bit at a time over over the years Instead of like investing the correct amount of money into infrastructure and rebuilding these things into like nice modern bridges that yeah. you can't collapse by removing one pin. Exactly. Exactly. Like that you know shouldn't I mean? be a thing, but yeah. And I don't give a shit if it's rush hour or not. Those bridges should be tested to hold 10 times the amount that rush hour traffic would yeah, put on it. I agree. Yep. Like always. Yeah, it's just... I and mean, for a Florida bridge to collapse, those bridges should be goddamn indestructible. I mean, especially because... With their if, weather. If I remember right, that one was, like, on the out, uh, like the outer edge of, like, was it Miami or somewhere like that? Like, right yeah. around the water, you know? Like... Yeah. You would think that anywhere, especially hurricanes, stuff like that, they they would at least, like, you know, maybe add a couple more bricks or something. Yeah, a couple more beams, a couple yeah, more pins. Exactly. I don't know, man. Like, I know. Um, I know. Key West has some pretty crazy ass bridges, where you're like out over the ocean for like over a mile. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been on some of those bridges, and like they used to not bother me, but now, like going down this rabbit hole of reading about all these bridge collapses, yeah, I'm gonna think twice next time. Like I said, Fucking I, I done got with bridges. Point where I was fine with that, <laughs> but no, <laughs> I don't like it now. So I have I have one more, uh, just one more quick, yeah. uh, you know, quick one here. It was the swine flu outbreak in Mexico. So okay. on April tenth, two thousand nine, uh, residents and I'm not even going to try to pronounce this area just because I don't want to butcher it. They began sure. noticing a strange creature um, 
that was very tall and hairy with two expansive wings and wide bloodshot eyes. Um, they had reported, I guess one of the, there was a student, a younger, younger child or, you know, at least younger person. <laughs> sure. Um, that had even said that it chased him relentlessly. And he even wow. quoted, there were, those were 15 minutes of maximum despair. <laughs> <laughs> that's an awesome quote <laughs> right um but it was near it was during the time of the area began to see a rise in swine flu cases uh tied to the 2009 outbreak and there were uh, a couple of other witnesses that claimed to have heard the creature in an apple orchard um and some some people theorized that the terrify or the creature terrifying the residents was in fact the mothman wow okay so they heard it in an apple orchard it chased this kid what for was 15 it? minutes of maximum despair. <laughs> yeah. This poor kid got chased for 15 <laughs> minutes. Remember being young and like riding your bike and getting chased by dogs, right? Yes. I, that, yes. that was like one of the most terrifying things as a kid. And I hated it. I was just Imagine talking about that. Chased with, by uh, Mothman. Yeah. I was just talking about that with Jeremiah um, yesterday. Oh yeah. From Bigfoot society. Um, yeah, because we were talking about that lizard man encounter where oh um, yeah yeah where um, the kid is on a bike yep mm-hmm. and like that man the idea of like trying to get away from something scary on a bike exactly you're just like pouring every ounce of your energy into those pedals that <laughs> you, know you mean, possibly especially can. as a kid your legs yeah. are only so long you can only yep. push yourself to go so fast and yep. you know you know like. Yeah, I mean, especially me if you're as a anything kid, like me, I yeah. I was getting outrun by people on foot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you're anything like me, you had your bike in the lazy gear, right? Yeah. <laughs> like then when something something the dog starts barking, you start trying to like, oh man, I need to like, mm-hmm. I need to upshift this. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that would that would be pretty that'd be pretty scarring for sure. <laughs> Yeah, 15 minutes is a really fucking long time yeah. to be chased by something. Uh, without a doubt. That's I, I yeah. Nope. Maximum despair. Not for me. That is total maximum despair. <laughs> it really is. That actually should be the name of this episode. Mothman <laughs> phenomenon, total maximum despair. <laughs> total maximum. <laughs> total absolute maximum despair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have, of course, um, you know, tied this similar to, uh, like, you know, stories of the black dogs, right? Um, oh yeah. You know, so that's that's another another one, obviously, with the going the whole harbinger of doom route that we are. Yep. Um, it's Same at least worth to notice, exact or to note rather. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, there's also a couple of kind of theories that are, uh, kind of just all tie together. But, uh, you know, people people believed that. So I guess it does take a little bit of the context, but some people believe, first of all, that there was some some leakage already taking place at this power plant. Um, now, the pre the context to go off of that or the previous information would be in two or 1982, there was a partial meltdown in reactor one, uh, which had been covered up by Soviet Soviet authorities. So. Yeah. A lot of people say like there was some leakage still left prior to this explosion, and its effect basically its effects caused members of the staff to experience nightmarish visions and dreams and stuff because it was messing with their heads. I wonder if radiation poisoning does that. I mean, I don't know for sure, but sounds good enough. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, as far as I knew, radiation poisoning just made you really, really ill. Right, really sick, for sure. But if it's extremely, if it's low amounts that you're subjected yeah. to for such a long period of time, it, it could, could probably have up. some, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's thought as a soon I mean, as, I don't know anything about it, but I buy that. Yeah. I, like I said, it sounds good, <laughs> at least. Yeah. I mean, listeners, do your own research, figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's thought that as soon as these haunting stories about a strange prowler came out into the open, they naturally began to influence the thinking of those around them, and suddenly, everyone was seeing the blackbird. That's yeah, that's pretty tulpa. normal. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. 
And then uh, pilots and soldiers may have overheard the stories when they arrived and their mental states deteriorating under the pressures of the dangers of, of what they were doing. You know, they already had this in their head, so they're thinking they see this thing circling over this power plant. Yeah. I don't know that the that the soldiers flying would have had any direct contact with the people on the ground to, like, hear the story. You know what well, I mean? But I mean, they might have heard about it beforehand because yeah. these reports were coming in weeks before this happened, right? That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So maybe um, someone caught wind of that and then it started to spread, and so they already were aware of it. Yeah. Also, though, you could put these pilots in, you know, a long line of pilots who have seen weird shit while they're flying. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's 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 literally reported on almost daily. Yeah. Just seeing something weird while flying for sure. Yeah. Now, there was an official explanation that was provided by the Soviet government um, on the reports of, uh, you know, the reports of the people that witnessed, you know, whatever was going on. So basically they said what they were actually seeing was a local bird, although rare, uh, and and it's uh, like nearing extinction at this point, um, called the black stork, uh, which can grow up to three feet tall and has a six foot wingspan. Uh, It's the Ukrainian sandhill crane. Yeah. Sandhill Ukrainian. (laughs) Or giant owl. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and of course, like their their whole thing is the human brain can basically apply nightmarish details to something that you're unfamiliar of. And especially yeah. seeing it flying overhead, you know, people are bound to see things that they're not really seeing, but they're going to, you know, make these accounts of it because they don't know what to make of it. Right. Yeah. Pareidolia. Right, your brain fills in the gaps, exactly. and if you're in a yeah. negative mental state, you're going to fill it in with scary with something. shit. Exactly. Yep. So, and that's what they—that's what the the—that was their whole official explanation for everything that happened. Yeah. Which I mean, of course, you know, of course, it's going to be. Well, um, that makes sense. You know, um, the Soviet government was all about saving face. Always. Yeah. They never wanted to look silly. It was like. Directive number one, don't look like jackasses. Like, that's all they cared about. And they were an extremely secular atheist government who, you know, didn't support anything from superstition, um, legends, religion, any of that they felt was like a cancer on the government and on the country. Right. Yeah, any anything that has them represented negatively. Yeah. So if you go past I mean, they basically took the took the they had the opinion that anything like that, anything that had to do with religion or superstition made the would make them look juvenile. Um That makes sense. Yeah. Um sort of a modern perspective right right the idea like how many like you know irreverent atheist kids on twitter do you see like oh 40 40 percent of americans believe in angels how stupid you know what i mean like just dumb stuff like that yeah um i mean you know but those numbers are going down yeah they are also like when go back like we do so often to our episode on Diet Love Pass, where mm-hmm. we came to the conclusion that even if, even the little bit of records available from the Soviet government, you can't trust. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you can't trust that they're honest. You can't trust that they're complete because they're notoriously bad record keepers. And they're known and for covering everything yes, up. Everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, which I mean, it's it's unfortunate, but like, I I understand, like you know, I understand like that that view. Obviously, I mean, but you know, doesn't help yeah. us out. I mean, we had we ran into that problem with the Tsarachina too, yeah, that's true. in Bulgaria, and they were a newly, you know, they had just left the Soviet Union, but they had so much leftover 
Mm-hmm. So many leftover officials from the Soviet government in that country that it was basically the same. Yeah. The same situation. Um, yeah. I mean, Eastern Bloc is really hard. It's really hard to figure out what's what with any of it. Yeah, so that's, that's even true. if you can, even if you can get past the idea that this is a Polybius style thing that popped up on the internet, if you want to take it all the way back and buy that, that all these accounts were, were being straight up and being genuine, like you don't know how much of it would even be genuine if it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. If it's from that time period, like it claims to be, who knows how real any of it is? Yeah, I mean that's and that's essentially it. It's you have to take it for what it is, like what we have available, and then just base whatever you feel or think off of that. I mean, because again, there's no going back at this point. We can't get any. You know, we can't even talk to anybody that was around at that point. Like, yeah, and that's and that's one of the the bad parts about it too, is yeah. there's nothing to even back it up. So yeah, yeah. That's why you just basically take it for what it is, and that's it. So, at its core, though, I think this is a cool story. Oh, without a it's doubt, it's a very cool story. I agree. I agree. Chernobyl is obviously the disaster at Chernobyl is one of the most significant moments in world history. Yeah. Period. I mean, it's, it's got to be in the top twenty-five things that have ever happened to exactly. human beings. On Everyone Earth. is at least familiar with. Yeah chernobyl yeah i mean at least like you know knowing like oh yeah something bad happened there like you know maybe not fully aware of like the whole scenario but at least you know the name you know something negative yeah absolutely so to me at the very least i feel like the listeners should consider this sort of an audio version of when an artist finds an old painting at like the goodwill and they paint a bigfoot into it (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean i uh I, like i was looking at this this one because it's similar similar thing about like yeah. people are like saying like oh there were cell phones and all these old these old like uh paintings yeah. that were done and you know so long ago <laughs> and just super funny I like to go back and like look at those and yeah yeah so, like, you know, you have the the beautiful established backdrop, not, you know, beautiful, but significant established backdrop of the disaster at Chernobyl. And, you know, maybe, maybe somebody got clever after the Mothman movie came out and they just painted a Mothman in, you know? Yeah. And either I, way, it's true. a cool story. It's yeah. a cool story. I like it. I think I think it's cool. Um, and again, just that whole that whole idea of him uh, or of it. I always, I always refer to it as a him, but you yeah. know, of it being there, like before and after all this stuff has gone on, and having yeah. how, like having this like lingering, you know, this lingering whatever still in the, in the area, right? I think it's just yeah. it's neat. I like that idea. I like that it's, I mean, maybe it's not a hard, you know, maybe it's not there to like warn people. Maybe it's there to bring the doom, but we don't, you know, regardless. Maybe it's there to just siphon off the, like, the energy from the misery. Right. Yeah. Yep. You know what exactly. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, regardless of the origins of the story, it is now part of the Mothman lore. It is. Yeah. Like it's, it's every, just as much as any other, you know, like who knows what disaster is awaiting Chicago. Yeah. Right now. Like That's, I mean, yeah, been a, without a doubt, a bunch of supposed sightings up there too. So like, it's all a part of the Mothman lore, which is why we chose to include it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- I don't know. I think it's, I think it at least... It's worth noting to the story because especially when we go back and do talk about silver, you know, silver bridge and stuff. Um, we can also use this as a, like a, almost like a reference that we can kind of touch on as well. So yeah, yeah, I think it's important. Agreed. Well done. Excellent. Well, I think that, uh, wraps up episode 70 
the Mothman Phenomenon, Part Four, The Harbinger of Doom. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.